Hello from chilly Tyler, Texas. A little bit of a rainy, chilly fall kind of day today. I hope you are warm and dry wherever you are and that life is treating you well on this 27th day of October. October is always a big month for Gammy and Papa. Uh, that would be Joyce and Bill and that is because we went from zero grandchildren to two in one month in 2010. So Happy birthday this month to Samuel Reed Tyndall in Rockville, Maryland, who turned uh, 10 on September 6th. And then happy birthday today, I I'm sorry, October 6th. And then happy birthday today to Isaac William Atkinson, who is uh, 10 years old also on this very day. So uh, now that I've been a good papa, I can go about and try to share a few things as preacher. Uh, nice to see Eric and Cindy with us. I uh, love seeing you guys sign on, and I know others probably will uh, as well. Um, we're going through the Psalms on Tuesdays and Thursdays on this Facebook study, and I hope that these have been encouraging to you. These are kind of almost more devotionals than Bible studies, although they're a bit of a Bible study as well. And uh, this week we're going to be uh, looking at three different psalms that have to do with uh, God's abiding presence. It looks like my cousin Gail is here as well, so great to see you. Hope you and Keith are doing good in uh, wonderful southeast Texas. We have so much family down there, and uh, it's always a great blessing to get to see you all. Uh, sign up and watch these. A lot of you watch them live. Some others watch them when you can by coming to my Facebook uh, page. And then uh, others may watch them on our church page or on our uh, website, westerwin.com, on our social media and resources uh, link that uh, takes you to our video archive and have lots and lots of lessons there. Uh, the Psalms are a great study, and I'm really enjoying this. I love preaching from the Psalms. One of my favorite books um, was mentioning in our Bible class this last Sunday morning uh, that um, I my favorite books are the Gospel of John and then kind of a tie between the Book of Romans and the Book of Job. I'm just kind of strange that way. And then probably Psalms may be right up there as well. Um, so good to see some more uh, signing in. Uh, my, my dear sister, Barbara Kasky, great to see you. And uh, Larry and Lynn Murphy, always wonderful to have you all signing in. And Lenny and Joe are, are uh, here today uh, as well. And so that's a great, uh, a great blessing. Um, uh, and a happy birthday to my uh, friend Cindy as well. How about that, Linda and Joe's? Uh, daughter, great to uh, great to know that you share a birthday with my um, with my grandson Isaac. Um, so uh, this week, uh, God's abiding presence, uh, and really the title of these uh, two lessons, "Thou art with me." When you think of God's abiding presence, then you think of not just the most familiar psalm. Uh, but one of the most um, familiar passages of Scripture anywhere, one of the most well-known, one of the most well-loved, perhaps the most loved uh, passage of Scripture. Um, it's probably uh, right up there with John 3.16 when someone uh, asks about their favorite verse uh, because most everybody, even if they don't know the Bible very well, they know about John 3.16 but they also know about the 23rd Psalm. 
And we won't be looking at the 23rd Psalm today, but we will on Thursday. And that will be our whole lesson on, on Thursday at 3 p.m. here on my Facebook page. Uh, but today we're going to begin that study about God's abiding presence by looking at a couple of Psalms, Psalm 46 and Psalm 139, both of which have some familiar statements in them uh, that you will uh, recognize. Uh, perhaps there's just no greater blessing than the feeling and assurance of God's abiding presence. Um, on Thursday, uh, we'll take a look at a few hymns that are associated with um, the, the 23rd Psalm, but also uh, my favorite verse of any song, any hymn, any popular song, uh, and that is from the, um, from the hymn, Be With Me, Lord. And it has to do with God's abiding presence. I think the greatest blessing of all is that God is with us, that the eternal God is with me. And so Thursday, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you from the 23rd Psalm, uh, just an incredibly wonderful and assuring and comforting uh, passage of Scripture. But today, we're going to look at that same theme but look at two different psalms, Psalm 46 and Psalm 139, and they are very similar, but also a bit different in their focus. Um, <clears throat> so Psalm 46, first of all, uh, the basic statement of the psalm is, God is our fortress and is our ever-present comfort and help. Ever-present, God's abiding presence. He is here. And the psalm is divided up into a couple of uh, verses, basically, a couple of stanzas, if you see it as a song, and then a, um, a refrain, a chorus, if you will. And the chorus is found, is seen after the first stanza in verse 7, and then also at the end of the psalm in verse 11. Uh, so the verse, first verse, these familiar words, God is our refuge and strength, and so we will not fear. And this is verses 1 through 6. Uh, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. This is one of the passages that I uh, use, these verses, uh, a lot of times when I'm sharing with a family and friends at a memorial service for someone who has passed away. Of course, the 23rd Psalm as well. But what I like to do with that is uh, have a section of readings from uh, uh, several psalms, including Psalm 23, but also including this statement right here. Because I think that is so important that we remember when the world is changing all around us and when we lose a loved one, that is especially the case, that God is our ever-present help in trouble. He is our fortress. And he is always there for us, no matter how crazy and changing the world around us seems to be. This is especially great in this 2020 pandemic year. Uh, and it's especially great this week as we look ahead to one week from today uh, as uh, Election Day finally, finally gets here. A lot of people have already voted early. Um, and others will throughout the rest of this week, and then many, many will on Election Day. And so we, we keep our, our country and our local communities and state and, and our, our nation and our world in our prayers, especially this week. I hope you're constantly going before, the God, ask, before God asking uh, for His will to be done and for His 
um, his uh, presence to be felt in our families, in our communities, and, and in our nation. Um, and so these words are great. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible, devastating time. And Jesus talks about telling a mountain to go into the sea and it will. And that kind of language is, is really meant to indicate that there are some incredible changes and, and difficulties, extraordinary things going on in the life of the psalmist as he describes it here. Uh, but he also says that God is there and he is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Again, a great, great statement for this election year, for this pandemic year, for us, to remember that wonderful scene in the Garden of Eden, uh, in the book of Genesis, and that wonderful scene of the city of God and the presence of God in the book of Revelation. I think that this is describing that presence of God as the psalmist writes about this river and this city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Um, I doubt that there's going to be physical rivers and cities in the presence of God, uh, but God is going to be there. And this is the best that human language can give us to try to describe that place. And what a great place it will be. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. God is in charge. No matter what else is going on, God is in charge. And he is our ever-present help in times of trouble. And so the first uh, refrain in this great chapter, Psalm 46, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 7, he'll repeat it again at the end in verse 11. And that is the theme of this psalm. Well, the next stanza starts in verse 8 and is basically a familiar statement, another familiar statement. Uh, and because of God's abiding presence, because he is an ever-present help, because he is our fortress, um, we hear the call to be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, verse 8, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That great statement that um, is, is meant, it, it, we see a few times in Scripture, and it's that, it's that call for assurance. It's that call for comfort and for peace. Even in the midst of when those kingdoms are coming and falling and, and uh, the, there's war, and yet God can bring peace. There's great difficulty and turmoil, and yet God can bring stability. Why? Because of how this psalm ends, again, in verse 11, the second refrain, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And that's why we can be still and know 
that the Lord is God and he is with us. Uh, in spite of everything we see around us, we, we, don't, we can't be still uh, and, and be content and have peace simply because the external circumstances uh, are going great because we know that there are a lot of times when they're not and, and times are difficult. And, and we've seen that this year. I, I'll quote uh, Dan Bouchelle with um, the great Let's Start Talking ministry. Uh, this coming Sunday, he sent out a tweet a while back that talked about how one of the things that 2020 has taught us is that our, our desire for certainty and for control are, are, are not very well founded. And 2020 has certainly shown us that. But that's not all bad. It's not all bad. And what Psalm 46 reminds us of is it's the Lord who is our fortress. We can be still and know that the Lord is God, not be still and know that everything's going to go great in my life, but to be still and know that whatever goes on in my life, God's abiding presence will be there. Um, so whether your guy wins or loses on Tuesday or whenever it is we find out, um, just remember these words. The Lord is our fortress. The Lord is our comfort. He is our ever-present help in, in, in difficulties. And so we can be still and know that the Lord is God. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then secondly today, I want us to look at another very familiar psalm, or at least there's some familiar statements from it, and that's Psalm 139. Very likely you have a shirt that's got one of these verses on it, or you have a, a, a little plaque or something maybe on your wall or on your desk or uh, in your home somewhere on a shelf uh, that's got these great words, fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, that is from the 139th Psalm. Um, and there are, there's a lot more than just that in this Psalm, so let's get right to it. We'll take it by sections, just as we did Psalm 46, the first section. And there are several things that the psalmist says about God. And this is what brings him comfort and assurance. Uh, you know me, the psalmist says, you are with me, God's abiding presence. You made me, that verse, those verses that you'll find very familiar. And then you lead me, is how the psalm ends. First of all, you know me, verses 1 through 6. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. That's scary, isn't it? You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The psalmist says, God, you know me inside and out. You know every word I say before I even say it. You know every thought I have before I even think it. You know every deed I ever do before I even do it. And for the psalmist, it's not scary at all. For the psalmist, there's a sense of comfort and assurance in knowing that God knows everything about us, all our faults, all our frailties, all our sins, and yet he still loves us. Those great words in the book of Romans in chapter, in chapter 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a great, great statement that is. 
And we're reminded that that's how God feels about us, that even when we were sinners, he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us. That's what that John 3.16 says. And so we seek to trust in him, to believe in him with an obedient faith, not a perfect faith, but an obedient one, one that, that strives to please God in response to what he has done for us. The psalmist lived that way. He said, God, you know me. You know my thoughts before I even have them. You know every word before I even say it. And yet you are still with me. Uh, you lay your hand upon me, and, and it, this knowledge about you is, is too wonderful for me to even comprehend. What a great way of understanding that we don't understand completely the loving and constant presence of God, and yet it's true. The psalmist says, you know me. And then in Psalm 139, starting in verse 7, these familiar words, <clears throat> the psalmist says, you are with me. Where can I go from your spirit? Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. There is that understanding that there's nowhere you can hide from God. And again, that's a good thing. That's a, that's a good thing. God is with us always. Uh, and, and yes, we're ashamed when we fail him and when we sin. But that doesn't mean that he takes his presence away from us. Remember the psalm we looked at that David cried out in Psalm 51 after his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah and lying to God and to the people of God, thinking that his sin was covered up and then the prophet coming to him and saying, God knows and God sees. And one of the things that David prayed in that great penitential prayer of Psalm 51 is, <clears throat> don't take your holy presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. For David, he knew that he had risked that, and sin does that. There is a risk there that, that we will lose that presence of God. But God has said, I'll be with you always. And we'll end with that great statement that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament this coming Thursday after we look at the 23rd Psalm that ends with that great statement that I will be with the Lord uh, forever. Uh, what a great and comforting psalm that will be. The psalmist here says, I, I can't go anywhere and escape you. You're with me everywhere. Even when I try to run away, there's no place to hide from God. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because we want God to be with us. We want God to be wherever we are. And the psalmist says, even if it's dark, it's still light to you, God, because for God, he is always the light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Um, John, as he opens up his gospel in John 1, talks about uh, that light that was being revealed to the world, uh, the light of God, the light of God's Son, Jesus Christ, the light of his wonderful Holy Spirit who is present with us even today. You know me, the psalmist says. You are with me, the psalmist says. And then in verses 13 through 18, these very familiar, very wonderful words, you made me. You made me. 
verse 13 of Psalm 139. <clears throat> For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, Psalm 139, verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I don't see how you can read a paragraph like the, these verses in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, and not come away saying life is sacred, including life in the womb. What a tragedy that abortion has been in our society. And it's passages like these that remind us that that life in the womb is very, very real, very much alive. Science is bringing that out more and more. Uh, parents and grandparents will get that first picture of a sonogram and they'll put it up on their walls in their offices. Why? Because that's their baby. That's their grandbaby. They'll begin calling that baby by the name that they decide on very early in a lot of cases and will refer to that baby as him or her because that baby is him or her. That's their child. That's their grandchild. That's their brother or their sister the proud big brother or big sister would say. The psalmist recognized that long before the days of sonograms. The psalmist says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's God's work that's going on in there. And I will say this, abortion is such a horrible tragedy and there's no winners in abortion. There's a baby whose life is lost. Many times there's a mother whose life is lost, but all the time there is a mother and a, perhaps a father and other relatives, but a mother whose life is changed forever, physically, but especially emotionally and spiritually. And I want you to know that God forgives, God heals. Whatever is in your past, uh, whatever sin there is, God forgives and God heals. Some of that healing takes a long, long time. And some of those sins that we've committed, we struggle with all our lives. But God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to forgive us. And so, yes, abortion, I believe, is a sin. But also, yes, I believe that abortion is forgiven. Just like every other sin, uh, God forgives. And that's why Jesus shed his blood on the cross. But the reality is that life inside that womb that's a baby. That's a baby. And science, again, as we learn more and more about what goes on is that as God is knitting that baby together in the mother's womb, as the psalmist puts it, uh, science only affirms and confirms that fact. And that great verse in verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What a great, great statement. The psalmist recognized that we are the creation of God the psalmist recognized that that began in conception, that began in the womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. What a great way of talking about God's great work of creation, 
not just in Genesis 1, but ever since, every time a child is conceived and grows and then is born and continues to grow, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, the psalmist says. I know that all too well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. God not only knows what we're doing right now, as the psalmist says, he's always known that. <laughs> There's never something that happens in this world that surprises God, surprises us, but it never surprises God. He knows. He knows. Uh, his foreknowledge is uh, complete. And, and his plan will ultimately be carried out. And that's why we pray, thy will be done. And we pray that we, God would help us to be a part of carrying that out uh, for good. You saw my un, unformed body, verse 16. Um, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. The psalmist continues, and as we think of this great statement, fearfully and wonderfully made, as we think about the sanctity of life, it reminds us that we are created in the image of God. That's where that begins. In Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our own image, male and female, created in the image of God. And that's why Exodus says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not murder. Life is sacred. Life is sacred. And Jeremiah brings that out in Jeremiah 1 as he talks about his call to be a prophet of God from the womb, from the womb. But nowhere else, I think, is this uh, great reality of life in the womb exhibited in Scripture better than in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 1. Because we read about <clears throat> Zechariah and Elizabeth and the son that they would have in the natural way, but very elderly, uh, having had no children all their lives. Zechariah is told, your, your wife will conceive. Go home, uh, and your wife will conceive in the natural way. And that baby will be special to God from the womb. And he gives instructions about that. And then uh, later on, the angel appears to Mary and tells her about her relative Elizabeth and, and also about the baby that will be conceived in Mary, much different than Elizabeth's baby. Elizabeth and Zechariah in the natural way, Mary, a virgin, and remained a virgin until after Jesus' birth. But the angel Gabriel tells her, you will conceive and the child within you will be called the Son of God. God with us, Emmanuel. But when she hears about her relative Elizabeth, Mary can't wait to go see her. She can't wait to go see her. And when she does, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39, mentions that what happens next. As Elizabeth is there and she hears Mary's voice, the baby within her leaps for joy. John the Baptist leaps for joy within her before he's ever born. And as Mary comes in, Elizabeth tells her, I don't know why I'm worthy enough to have the mother of my Lord come here because when I first heard your voice, the baby within me leapt for joy knowing that you and your baby were here. What an incredible statement about the sanctity of life. Yes, even the sanctity of life in the womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. You know me, verses 1 through 6 of Psalm 139. You're with me, verses 7 through 12. You made me, verses 13 through 18. And then this psalm ends, 
with, you lead me, you lead me. You know me, you're with me, you made me. Finally, you lead me. Psalm 139, verse 19. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist acknowledges his humanity. He says, look, I'm on God's side. Whatever side that is, I'm on God's side. The friends of God are my friends. The enemies of God are my enemies. I am with God because God is with me. And so the psalmist says, search me, Lord. Look, look all through me. And he began by saying, you know everything about me. You know all these things. And so the psalmist says, do that. Do that, God. Search me. Know what's in my heart. Know what's in my mind. Know my actions. And make sure that they are compatible with your will, with your word. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know me. God. You are with me. You made me fearfully and wonderfully made, and you lead me. Well, as we close today in this study of Psalms, 40, Psalms 46 and 139, just a few statements. There's nowhere we could go that God would not be there with us. There's nothing that can threaten us that God cannot overcome. Please, Please today take comfort in these statements that we've read today. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. Amen.